Hello, everyone. My name is Jack, and welcome to episode one of the Jack Jewel podcast. So thank you all for joining me today. I'm a gay man based in London. I'm from Ireland, and I'm starting this new podcast to talk about all things social politics, LGBT plus issues, and anything I really feel like talking about. So we have a lot to get to. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Daniel Moon, who has a channel, Cancelled Conversations, on YouTube. Please go check him out. Another gay man based in Florida. Uh, I had the privilege of being on his channel recently. So definitely go check that out as well. Today, is it ethical for gay parents to have surrogate children? Should trans women who have committed violent acts against other women be housed in women's prisons? Is the topic of trans women in sports still up for debate? And how was the reaction to the Daily Wire's recent film, Lady Ballers, as well as reacting to some very unhinged, very crazy woke TikToks? Okay, welcome, Daniel, to the Jack Jewel podcast, episode one. So you are my graceful guinea pig. <laughs> I'm honored. Uh, in, in all your glory. Um, <laughs> and for anyone watching or listening, uh, Daniel kindly had me on his channel, Cancelled Conversations, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And there is a very long, interesting chat on his channel where we talk about LGBT issues, primarily um, leaving the left, that kind of stuff. So I'll link his channel down below and that video, please go check him out because he is great. <laughs> One of the up and coming gay YouTubers for sure. Um, so Daniel, if you would like to just introduce yourself, um, tell us a bit about you and why you're sitting here today. Okay, well, I will look at the camera first, since a lot of people are coming to meet me today first, basically. So I am Daniel. I started my channel about like six months ago. And like Jack said, we pretty much talk about, you know, most of the same things from what you've heard already. We talk about like LGBT issues, and things like that. Um, I feel like, just like him, I was a little tired of the news and everything that you're seeing all over Twitter and Instagram. And I was like, well, a lot of people like us don't get attention. We don't really, no one really hears about us very often. People kind of just think that we all agree with everything that's going on. And so I started my channel because I was tired of the bullshit. And I realized that my opinions would get me canceled. And that's why my channel is called Canceled Conversations, because I talk about things that could potentially ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully, you know, you're putting a mark on it now that you are uncancelable. And, you know, I think I hopefully I hope that society is maybe taking a bit of a turn and that more and more people are speaking out. And I think, you know, institutions and companies are going to get to a stage where they, you know, where they say we can't we can't fire everyone, basically. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot to talk about today, Daniel. We're going to look at some of the latest crazy headlines this week from the LGBT sphere, as well as some other social politics so let me introduce you to our first one homosexual surrogacy so is it ethical for two men or two women to have a child through means of surrogacy and this really came to light this week especially on twitter when guy benson welcomed his first child so he is a fox news reporter um, and he was sharing a story behind his son's unique name and how his family and friends are supporting the new parents. So this article is very wholesome. Um, everything he was putting out there was very sweet. But I'm going to stop there. What are your thoughts on this, Daniel? 
I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I don't really like automatically see an issue with it because mm. of the simple fact that like straight people can be bad parents too. I mean, it, you know, we hear it all the time that like there's some sort of issue where a child is being abused and CPS has to step in. And for the most part, if we're going by the logic of the fact that straight people are the biggest population on the planet in terms of sexuality wise, then statistically speaking, obviously they're going to have more issues relating to problems with CPS and like child protective services and like abuse cases because they have the most children. So there's more evidence clearly to state that it can be a little bit more dangerous for a child to be in a straight household, which is why I think that considering sexuality in general is just ludicrous because a bad parent equals a bad experience for the child and not necessarily the sexuality itself. You get what I mean? Mm. So I guess at the moment, I don't exactly know how I feel about this. I think in the past, I've always thought, well, of course, you know, two men and two women can, can have a kid. I mean, by surrogacy as well, if someone is willing to do that, I guess. But, you know, we make the argument that some kids grow up with just one parent and the parent might be an abuser or a drug addict and everything. Um, but then I can't deny that, you know, it's natural for a child to need the energy of a mother and a father. Um, I think possibly a good mother and a father might be the healthiest way. But at the same time, you know, you can do a lot worse than a child being raised by two gay people who obviously, you know, really wanted. They have to go through many hoops to get there. And it's not like two gay men are just going to accidentally have a baby, if you know what I mean. Um, and we do we do make the argument that I just said, but it's like I sort of related to that trans women in sports debate. And people say, you know, what about Serena Williams or Michael Phelps? They, they have an extreme advantage. So, you know, we can put all men in women's sports, basically. So it's sort of like because some kids are disadvantaged and unlucky, does that mean we kind of have a free for all? I think because, you know, it's, it's a free world, I would definitely be more in favor of this. And, you know, I myself might be a parent one day. I'm very open to that, although I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I'm ticking, but I don't have a biological clock. I think it's more the surrogacy aspect that now I'm thinking about after this happened. So... I think it's just just a small point to add to this. I think it's it's so normal to for human beings to at one point want to have children. Regardless mm -hmm. of your gender, I think that it's natural for us to want to procreate regardless of gender. And I think that regardless of two men or two women in a relationship, either way, there's going to be a want or a need to want to have a child at some point. It doesn't hit everybody. Not everybody wants to have children, but it never fails when you hear people that say that they know, don't want children. I don't want kids. I don't want kids. And then they get to a certain age and suddenly they want kids. So it's, it's biological in all of us. We are literally made to procreate. So it's not surprising that, you know, even two men want to have children, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, and I think it's, it's, it's more within the gay community that it's sort of looked down upon to want kids. I think a lot of people sort of throw it aside um, and don't don't consider it in a social way. Mm -hmm. But I do agree. I think it is probably quite natural for a lot of us to want to have offspring. You know, it's it's literally the reason why we're all here. While we're all here, we've evolved. We are animals. You know, right. Um, but. You know, Guy Benson obviously came out with this story expecting people just to support him. And 
the Twitter mob descended. So I was surprised when I looked through these how the majority of the tweets were actually very negative. But, you know, Twitter is always going to be skewed. So the kind of things people were saying, um, buying and selling human babies is deplorable. Why are these men removing a baby from what it needs? Its mother. He bought a child, sick, evil. And it will remind me that some people think it's okay to traffic babies. And not only this, but, you know, one, one person for audio listeners, they posted a link to the New York Post recalling an incident of two men, two fathers who had two kids. And they um, actually were convicted and charged because of, you know, the most heinous type of abuse and also pimping out their kids. So obviously, you know, this is giving some of the right wing conservative people, I'm just assuming that's where they're coming from here. But, you know, they, they, they go from one extreme to the next. It's not just a child needs his mother. I can respect that. If that's what you think, I totally respect that. I'm not a mother. I'm not a woman. And I don't know what it's like to bear a child and to breastfeed and everything like that. So I can respect that. But equating two men having a kid, then just recalling some freak case of parents that did this is insane to me. Yeah, and I would agree. And I noticed how I grabbed my my pencil and my notebook and because immediately, you know, I, I, I wanted to write it down before I forgot it. You know, this logic is, you know, it's it's very obviously very, very simply rooted in just homophobia. Like, I don't mm. I don't like to play that card often of like, this is just homophobia, but it just is homophobia, simply put, like, uh, you know, by this logic, we are if, if we're thinking this way, we're basically it's it's totally OK to take the mindset of fostering a child is kidnapping. It's it's easily you can kind of just arrive to that point from this mentality, because, again, at the end of the day, it's natural in all of us to want to have children. And so it is a completely natural progression of things that when somebody gets towards to a certain age, they -hmm. want to procreate, they want to have a child, Mm -hmm. they want to foster a child, they want to have a surrogate. You know, when you go through a surrogate, it's a very extensive process. And there are people who quite literally make it their lives to be surrogates for other people. It's their career, it's their, you know, career, it's their, their source of income, basically. There's a lot of people that do it by their own good nature you know there's people that do it for the finance there's people that do it because they want to help other people but Mm. it's typically something that's done for other people it's voluntary you know we're not like removing babies from like this isn't china no one that's, that's not happening yeah, I think where it gets a gray area for me is how in the States, I mean, it could be in the UK as well. I haven't looked into this fully, but, you know, how it's turned into a form of um, capital. And like you said, some women make their careers at this. So that's where it starts to become a bit of, bit of an ethical question for me. You know, are people in it for the right reasons? And someone else posted a link to this website that at first I kind of thought it was another dose of homophobia, but then I read through it and, you know, it did point out some legitimate concerns, but apparently surrogacy can lead to further complications than a natural pregnancy would. So this website advocates against all surrogacy. So even for straight couples, 
um, where women have died after having their own children and then becoming surrogates for others. So apparently, according to this, 85% of surrogacy pregnancies involve the transfer of multiple embryos, dramatically increasing the risks to the surrogate's mother's health. Surrogacy pregnancies also use donor eggs, even though egg donor pregnancies pose dramatically greater health risks to surrogate mothers. So this really wasn't something I was aware of, you know. Um, even for a straight couple, apparently, surrogacy results in more casualties from birth. And again, just thinking about that whole financial aspect, that's where I start to become a bit, hmm, you know, I mean, there are other means and ad adoption is one of them. Right. You know, I, um, I like to, unless there begins to be a pattern and there's a reported pattern um, of an issue, I like to take things with a grain of salt, depending on what we're talking about. Because, you know, one moment there is an article that comes out telling you that, you know, drinking coffee is bad for your health. And then the next moment we get an article saying that drinking coffee is good for your health. Um, and then one moment we're told to, you know, trust certain vaccinations that are given to people in booster format. And then other moments we're told not to trust those same vaccinations because they are now, you know, literally causing issues, heart problems in young men. Um, and the science seems to be always changing in favor of where the money goes. And yeah. so I choose to believe that regardless of whether the article is in favor or against, again, unless there begins to be a pattern where this is something that we can actually document and be sure of, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, while definitely surrogacy isn't the only option, mm. you know, celebrities do surrogacy all the time. And somehow their babies always end up fine. It's kind of weird. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, it's a very good point. And whatever side you're coming from, and it's always divided into kind of left, right, pro-life, pro-choice, there will always be a number of statistics and arguments to back back everything up instead of sort of looking at everything on a case by case basis or making that risk assessment. And it's like you said before, I think the, the right really lose loses credibility when, you know, they talk about all the pertinent issues like transitioning kids, trans women in sports, that kind of stuff. But then they go so far to say any two men having a baby is, you know, they, they are somehow pedophiles, sexual deviants, you know, they're really not helping themselves because if people could just learn to meet in the middle and say, do you know what, this is the fight we need to fight. And then that other thing, you know, I may not love it, but it's not, it, it's not the focus, but they kind of lump everything in together. And then it's not like the left is going to listen to them when they say stuff like that. Right. Right. I agree. So let's hear from two gay dads on a podcast who had um, a surrogate child and their experience of going through this process. How much does it cost? We probably spent a quarter of a million quid. Wow. So the first time we, we were meant to go to America and then we couldn't because of COVID. So we ended up working with a clinic in San Diego and we went to Mexico. I mean, we were slightly knobheads at this reason as well, because I wanted to make sure that I, we knew who the egg donor was. I wanted them to be super fit. You go to the bar and you go, I'm going to procreate that person, right? You, that's you, your choice as a human. I wanted to find someone that I know is going to be absolute smoke show. 
basically we chose Emily Bratanowski. <laughs> so there's a company in LA and they have a company that basically is supermodels who are Ivy League educated. So they have to have gone to like Brown, Columbia. Oh, no. Oh, Owen went to Columbia. That feels a bit strange, is it not? Or no? It's a bit prostitute isn't it? Let's I think it's quite fabulous, but the eggs were terribly expensive, but we got a Brazilian supermodel. Yeah, you know, mm, that's, um, that one for me there is a little interesting because, <clears throat> you know, the older that I get, um, and I know that things are a little different for you just because of previous conversations that we've had, but the older that I get, the more religious that I become. It's like the opposite for what it usually is for a lot of people. For okay. a lot of people, the older they get, the less religious become they become. For me, it's been the opposite. The older I get, the more I am attracted to God and I am pushed more towards doing things not just for the greater of myself but just for the greater of everybody i don't mm. I'm, i don't consider myself a bible thumper like people mm. like to say um but i i do believe that there is a god for multiple reasons spanning a lot of things but primarily this world is too perfect for it not to have been perfectly created for us that's just what mm. i think and because of that reason i i take issue with this because it's almost like playing god it's yeah. almost like you're trying to spawn like your perfect video game character. And I think that's wrong, like really wrong. I think it's, it's, it's really wrong. I think it's really wrong. And I think that it's part of the reason why people give things like surrogacy a bad name because people use it to basically have selective breeding, which is what yeah. that person described. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wrong. And, you know, I, I can, to, you know, go at this a little bit more personal than just my opinion. When I was a little younger, I had the mentality of I want to have my own child. And I wanted to either have a surrogate that was going to be uh, Latino, or have a, you know, go to a primarily Latino country and go to actually could basically continue my family lineage and, and it, you know, just keep it Latino, basically. You know, mm -hmm. have a child from Cuba or whatever the whatever the case may be. I wanted to keep it going and kind of just keep it within the family, keep things, you know, genetically Cuban so that my child could be attached to their culture as well, just like I was. Uh -huh. And I've grown out of that because I think that I should I should feel grateful and happy to give a child a home, which is why the older I get, the more I consider possibly wanting to be a foster parent because... Mm -hmm. There's so many children in this world that need homes and it's unfair of me to again play God and try to kind of like formulate the perfect child. I don't think that's my place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I hadn't given it much thought, but then when I saw this, I was just gobsmacked. I mean, first of all, I can't believe they thought it was a good idea to speak about it like this. I think if you're going to go about something like that, most people would probably keep it relatively private because you're essentially importing a baby and then mm -hmm. choosing from a list of, like you said, supermodels who also have gone to an Ivy League um, university. And I do find it very misogynistic the way they're talking about it. You know, the way I feel like if two gay men are going to have a surrogate, you know, they need to have the utmost respect for women and that mm -hmm. surrogate. And it's just where do you draw the line? Because it's either you choose someone or you get someone at random. Because as soon as you start choosing someone, there's going to be some parameters that you're going to look at. And then it's going to be this sort of designer choice. So, and, but I can also empathize that people won't just want to do eeny, meeny, miny, mo on a piece of paper and then say, okay, that's going to be our child's mother or surrogate mm -hmm. in this case. 
So I feel like where I'm at at the moment is surrogacy. I feel I'm I, I'm not comfortable with the how how it's become you know a capitalist venture. It's just kind of like you know in the states as well the whole pharmaceutical industry and healthcare. It's all capitalist. You know we don't have any mm-hmm. any public. So I think I'd be more comfortable with surrogacy only coming from, you know, a willing friend, family member who's, you know, just wants to do it out of their goodness of heart. Or if it was something maybe available publicly on a healthcare system, I don't know how ethical that would be. But it's just the whole money thing. And then you're kind of buying a baby. I don't know how I'd feel about that if I was the child and I grew up to know. If I, if I grew up and saw this clip, I would be like, hmm, what? <laughs> um but let's see what Matt Walsh had to say about this. So he's a right-wing commentator uh, from the Daily Wire. And mm-hmm. he compared two gay people having a kid to forcing a child to grow up with a missing limb. When a homosexual couple's unable to have children, none of them are able or have ever been able or ever will be able. That is a sign from nature, about as glaring and obvious as signs as you can never see, that gay couples are not meant to have kids. They're not meant to have kids because they cannot ever have kids because kids are meant to have both a mom and a dad. Now, it's true that plenty of kids end up with just one of those or sometimes none, but this just means that something went wrong. In that case, you do your best, the best you can to compensate. But with surrogacy, we are designing children from the outset to be motherless or fatherless. You know, it's true that some children grow up with one arm, or no arms. But that obviously doesn't make it any more horrific or any less horrific or barbaric to intentionally chop a child's arm off. But this is essentially what we're doing with commercial surrogacy. And only it's worse because it's far better for a child to be raised lacking one of his arms than to be raised lacking one of his parents. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I guess he starts with some valid points saying, you know, Two men, two women don't naturally have a baby together. You know, I can get on board with that. And there is an importance, something to be considered when a child is motherless or fatherless. But saying that, you know, it would be better to purposefully remove one of their limbs than perhaps the child to grow up with two loving gay parents. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I think that the the just like the easy way to squander this um conversation is just to simply ask an amputee if they would rather have gay parents or have limbs and i think that they would i think that that conversation would end like that so um that's that's pretty much as much as i have to say on that when you when you speak to somebody who actually does not have limbs which i i saw this in fact i'm gonna do a video on this myself just on this specific topic because it's so ridiculous but when you have no limbs Yes, let's be honest, we're, we're animals. So while, he, uh, while actual, you know, four-legged mammals do it better than we do, because nature, again, it's perfectly designed for us. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder for humans, but either way, we still adapt because we're animals. So we still find ways to adapt. We have quite literally made, created a medical field around giving amputees the ability to walk again through prosthetics and such. Ask any of them, go to a trauma clinic and ask any of them, ask any of them this question. If they would rather have all four limbs or a gay parent. Well, you better be careful there, Daniel, because, you know, they'll accuse you of being ableist. (laughs) I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. I think these days they accuse you of a lot of things, but I feel like the only thing that you can accuse me of is not having common sense. And I'll take I'll take the high road on that one. The only thing I'd challenge on that is, you know, if I was an amputee where I was born without a limb and I loved both my parents, I, I don't I think it wouldn't be as simple a, a, to answer that because I guess you would be taking into account that one of your parents wouldn't be there or you might have two whole different parents. Um, and it's, I it, guess. It's, I mean, they could get divorced at 40. They, they they come out at 40 years old after being married for 30 years. I don't know their story, this hypothetical couple, but... If you were asking me the question, if I had no legs, I would very easily be like, sure, I don't care. Maybe my parents would also say say themselves that they would rather be gay than me have no limbs. So, you know. Well, if there's, anyone, if there's anyone that this situation applies to, please, please let us know your thoughts <laughs> in the comments below. Right. Hopefully we neither of us offended you. But look, I think, you know, to wrap it up, my thoughts on this whole thing is, Adoption is a lovely thing. And especially, you know, when you give the argument of, oh, well, just because a child grows up in a traumatic household doesn't mean that we should purposefully have kids without a mother or a father. But when you're adopting children from disadvantaged areas, maybe from war stricken countries, then you're automatically going to be giving them a better quality of life than if they were not. So I think that is a lot more ethical to me. I think, you know, having a surrogate that is a family member or a friend is more logical. And, you know, by, th by this logic, Matt Walsh, and I'm sure he would try to debunk this, but, you know, if he thinks that you should never do anything to the human body that's not natural, then, you know, he better be refusing any medications that he needs now or potentially when he gets older and, you know, his, he has problems with his heart or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think we all, from one way or another, benefit from the pharmaceutical industry. So regardless of where you live, they're going to keep pumping us for dollars and people are still going to get cancer and people are still going to not have limbs. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it's a very slippery slope when you are... Again, he can have his own opinion. I'm not against him having his own opinion. In fact, I would actually like for him to speak more because he's fucking ridiculous. So I would like for more people to hear how ridiculous he is. So I would like him to keep talking, actually. Um, I'm not one of those like, you're hurting my feelings, so shut the fuck up. I'm not one of those people. Um, again, I say this on my channel all the time, but the easiest way to get the truth out of people is just to let them continue to talk. And at one point or another, people will reveal what they actually think. And clearly... Ooh. He thinks that, you know, he's he's not just an asshole. He clearly has an issue with gay people generally because he would rather there be hundreds of thousands of amputees around the world than to have gay people. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. It's a little bit. <laughs> a little cray cray. Yeah. And I think, you know, we obviously condemn the left a lot, but the right is just as much a culprit for it. And it's just frustrating mm -hmm. how... If someone has right-wing views and it's like, oh, I'm going to adopt every single view on the right. So I'm going to be for sure pro-life. I'm going to be for sure anti-gay. And, you know, you need more people who are just nuanced. But I think that's why, for me, adopting a left or a right label is kind of a slippery slope because then you start kind of conforming to this groupthink. And, you know, someone I watch a lot is Amala Epinobi. I really like her. And I think she has, you know, she's mm -hmm. incredibly intelligent for her age. But you know, you kind of see how she flipped from a complete leftist to now a, almost like a complete conservative with with all of those views, like the same on gun rights, the same on abortion. Um, she's very hardline on the trans issues. So while I'm not 
invalidating her opinions. She's allowed to have them. I just do question sometimes when someone changes their mind and then they adopt an entire other ideology instead of seeing the the, the gray space in between. You know, unfortunately, that's kind of just the way that it is. Unfortunately, when it comes to this kind of these kinds of things, for the most part, there's a very famous speech that I really, really like from Malcolm X, where he talks about the fact that there is no difference between the liberal and the conservative. At the end of the day, both sides just want power and they will do everything they can to trample over any and every minority. Like his, the entire point of the speech was basically saying that don't fall for any political leaders because they don't care about black people. They don't care about gay people. They don't care about trans people. It's not really about us anymore. The age of like doing it for the people is very like 1776. It's very like Boston Tea Party and no one does that anymore. Like it's, it's very much that. And when it comes to Amala, I empathize with her a lot because she actually was one of the reasons why I learned so much about the right that I didn't know that I had to be uneducated about. I advertised from the very beginning of my channel. You can go, you can go on my channel and you can click any video you like, click on the description. And the first paragraph I talk about the first sentence, I talk about the fact that I'm an independent because of the fact that I have seen the ugliness on both sides and I don't like either of it. So mm -hmm. I take things by the issue, but there's a lot of issues that we haven't been told the entire truth about. Mm -hmm. And simply put, you know, just a simple example is the, the, I mean, somehow we're always circling back to this, the conservative versus I think liberal Jubilee debate where they were talking about the trans. It was like where the one where Blair, Blair White was in with Blossom, Blossom talking about the fact that, you know, Keep it one cute, in bro. 35 keep it cute right one in like three one in three trans women or whatever one in five are gonna die and then blair was like um that statistic yeah. is from straight prostitutes not even from trans prostitutes not even from trans women to begin with and she was like no but and then blair was like no it's it's not so yeah it's interesting how yes a lot of people have made what some would consider a radical shift. But when you actually look into things, there's a lot of things that we haven't been told the truth on, which is why we're seeing a radical shift. Is it a radical shift or is it just people finding out about things that they didn't know before? You know, I have yet to find out something that is primarily left wing where I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that the left is actually you know, not that bad, not as bad as I thought. So far, it's really only been realizations towards the right. You know, what examples can I give you for the left? Well, they're trying to cut off the breasts of children. They are advocating, some of them are advocating for pedophilia. Some of them are talking about the fact that they want to have 12-year-olds on puberty blockers and give them micro penises to make it harder for them to transition. They're talking about the fact that, you know, blue haired men in wigs with hairy ass bodies can just go into the women's restroom. Where is the what, what can I attach to? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? On the contrary, we're talking about the fact that like just not even 100 years ago, the Republicans were the Democrats and the Democrats were the Republicans. The Democrats were the ones that started the KKK. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that we don't know that a lot of people are being educated on and finding the truth about. And then we see a switch, dramatic switch. 
Yeah. And, you know, Barack Obama was was against gay marriage and he was a Democrat himself. Mm-hmm. I guess my thoughts on so that are mm, my thoughts on that are when we talk about the left and the stuff you said, you know, those issues are completely correct. And a lot of liberals in America believe that. But, you know, I don't even really describe that as the political left anymore. It's kind of just these insane left woke ideas that don't even make any sense. And you know, the whole left ideology is for the many equality sort of lift up everyone so that we can try and be more equal. And then right fundamentally is, you know, it's your responsibility as an individual to make your life great. And I definitely think that there are yin and yang that we need as a society. I think naturally humans are competitive. And when you're competitive, that's more of the right wing streak because you want to be the best and you want to, you know, build an empire and that's fine. But then also, as humans, we are tribal and we like community. Um, so that's that's more the left side. And I guess with all these conversations, I want to make sure that I don't forget how left-wing politics can have good elements, but none of them are being looked at right now because everything is about these social justice issues. But, you know, there, there have been great schemes in the UK, like providing social housing to people. I, I don't believe in just giving everyone everything they want, you know, with no merit, but I do think that some people are from very tough backgrounds. And if, if we're a prosperous society, we can try our best to give them, um, you know, a foot up the ladder. So I think that's, that's the issue is that, you know, we're kind of condemning, condemning both sides. But hopefully we can kind of bring back the classic left. And I think if I had to pick a label, you know, maybe I'm more of kind of a classic liberal in that sense. Um, but let's move on to our next topic. So this is actually pretty related, just a little short one here. But um, I call this father skin on skin contact. And this was a tweet that got 11 million views uh, by a user named Larissa, who has since been banned. And she was outraged a father holding his baby with direct skin on skin contact with his chest. So she said, you're not soft and comforting for a baby, especially not him. You can't feed them. It's effing creepy. And to my pleasure, the comments were very angry and they were all dissing her it wasn't you know people jumping on this thing but again we just see this radical you know shift if you're you know a crazy feminist then it's something like this that has to be seen as deplorable it's ridiculous to me yeah i feel like the message would easily change if somehow this person knew that there was a woman that was taking the picture and not a man like yeah. I th- suddenly it fixes the problem but like what if those same people what if this is, what if this, let's just theoretically, this is a straight couple uh-huh. and this is actually their second child in the story that I'm making up in my head. This is a straight couple and they're on their second child and the dad is very all smiley or whatever, but the whole time that he's all smiley, he's actually super drunk and he's a dad with a drug problem and he's also an alcoholic and he beats the mom and this is actually not that happy of a picture because this whole time this family has this dynamic that we can't see through just a picture of a dad holding their child and everybody's praising him or whatever meanwhile this is an abusive father who happens to be straight but this entire photo this smiley cute photo is demonized because somehow this person knows they happen to be gay that's weird. Yeah, well, y- you know, I was looking through this. I, I'm i not sure if he is gay. That's the thing. I couldn't find any proof of that. Um, I would sort of assume he's straight, seeing as I couldn't find out because the majority of people are. But for audio listeners, you know, this is a man who's in hospital and there's obviously a newborn baby, his baby, and he's holding the baby up to his chest and he's bare chest. He looks very happy. But, you know, I looked into this and scientifically, 
it is it is a good thing for a baby to have skin on skin contact with their mother of course but also their father and it's yeah. as simple as that really to to demonize something like this is just you know she was really asking for it this larissa girl and you know even on elon musk's twitter she somehow still got banned so that kind of shows oh wow <laughs> yeah i mean if it's just if this is just like a a straight male father um this clearly is just like a hate all men post then it's not really even about the the topic we were talking about before it's just a hate all men post and it's another example of like why new age feminism is not really doing anything for women besides just making women look psychotic (laughs) and that's not a cute look yeah and it would be the same like you know i'm just making an assumption here not to generalize too much but in the same breath, someone could say this, and then they could also be very anti-masculinity. But you can't have it both ways, babe. You know, if you don't want your father to be cutesy and cozy with the baby, then, you know, you're going to have to accept that the alternative is a dad that has kind of stunted emotions and doesn't doesn't express himself. But, you know, I doubt that they would go down that road. Um, now, staying on the medical topic, Daniel, how many genders are there? um i would hope that there was only two (laughs) but i'm being told that you can identify as a zazer so (laughs) i don't know (laughs) for sure well obviously two (laughs) a tweet from the uk so a twitter user posted a screenshot of a form they were filling out which was part of the national health service which is our public body for healthcare, in which they were asked about their gender so for audio listeners this guy took a screenshot of his form and in the drop-down list, we have these options. So agender, demi-boy, demi-girl, female, gender fluid, male, non-binary, other questioning, transgender female, transgender male, another gender identity not listed here. So hopefully that's enough. <laughs> you know, I could imagine still someone coming on TikTok and saying, oh my God, genderqueer is not on this forum. Why are you trying <laughs> to erase me? How dare you? But honestly, how ridiculous is this? Can you imagine if you were someone, and a lot of people are just entirely unaware of all of this nonsense, and then they go to fill out a form and they see this? Yeah, I think we should bring scrolls back so we can have enough space to just unravel it and it just gets longer and longer and longer. Um, I say it's it's time to bring scrolls back. (laughs) For sure, I mean... Then we can have all 120 genders, you know, but exactly. I'm thinking ahead. I just, I can just imagine some cringe inclusion and diversity officer in a, you know, in a little dingy office somewhere saying, I'm going to be inclusive. And then looking up these terms online and not having a clue how to actually distinguish them. Like I'm in the process of getting a mortgage with my partner and in the application form we had to fill out our options were male, female, transgender, gender neutral, non-binary or agender and i'm thinking okay first of all i don't really see gender neutral very often as an actual gender but what the hell is the difference between gender neutral non-binary and agender and why did they only pick those three it's so random um you know to me it's just generally speaking i think it's very interesting that you say that because a lot, I feel like a lot of people think that the U.S. is just extremely progressive to the point where 
you know, everything and everything is either gay or transgender over here. And people are super like, oh, my God, and whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like the news really emphasizes that a lot. And the reason why I say that is because we don't have shit like that. Like when, yeah. when we have application forms, like our application forms don't look like that. They just don't like we you see all the videos on TikTok or whatever. But it's like I, I feel like, you know, a lot, it's not talked about enough, maybe by these activists, because I feel like maybe a lot of these like TikTokers live in New York or California where they're a lot more liberal like very liberal than they are over here like for example in california they released an article today saying that um they're looking to impose a law where if i believe it's choice stores if they don't have a gender neutral section they can be fined up to 500 dollars for not having a specific gender neutral section in california that article came out today Hmm. so i feel like maybe a lot of these artists uh activists live in those like areas because here in florida that's not a thing we don't have that like any of this any of this it is male female and the most that you're gonna get is other that's it you're not gonna get other and then another gender not listed here which is the same thing as other (laughs) you're not gonna get that (laughs) yeah absolutely i think interestingly the difference between the uk and the us that i can see is we do have similar issues but the uk is a lot more reserved so there will be less people here you know, objecting to someone about misgendering them publicly and making a fool of themselves. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot less people really complaining or making a fuss about things. So I noticed in the UK, a lot of these things kind of slip under the radar and then they don't become knowledge for a long time. And we really saw that with the medical scandal here with the Tavistock Center and the kids transitioning, because for a long time that was just happening. No one really knew about it. But I feel like in the US, it did kind of gain traction faster. And while you have crazy liberals, I think once something like this happens, the right jumps on it and they're very loud as well. So it really does not surprise me how in our National Health Service, someone was able to just kind of slip this in there. And I saw another article recently where um, a hospital was found out that on their birth forms or birth certificates, they changed the sex to gender identity instead. And that one was revoked because, again, it's just... It's activist charities getting their little teeth into these institutions. And when you come in as a lovely, inclusive charity and people at the hospital are busy and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, we want to be inclusive and diverse. There's going to be some idiot who accepts their advice and what they're accepting is like pseudoscience and laced in queer theory that it does not belong Mm -hmm. in hospitals. Right, right, exactly. Insane. Well... On the topic of classes of gender and sexuality, Eli Ehrlich, who you may be oh, familiar with, she's a trans woman who is known for supplying minors with hormones illegally mm-hmm. online. So she posted a photo of what she called the straight flag, saying it is literally a prison uniform with shackles over it. So for audio listeners, again, this is just a black and white striped flag with you know, the male and female symbol in the middle. And I guess it, it's just funny to me how she can fight for trans inclusion. And I'm saying she here because I'm being respectful. But when we have these crazy activists who are so disrespectful towards women, I start feeling more uncomfortable with saying that. However, how can you expect to gain acceptance when you are literally just dissing straight people and saying that they are essentially just in shackles because they're straight? <laughs> yeah, there's a longstanding... Um 
I don't know if you would call it like a, I mean, I guess it's a saying, but I would say it's like a, one of those, like, I don't know, I don't know what the word for that is. Like, it's like a common thing, like a common thing that people say in life where, you know, you, you kind of like, if you you have the opportunity to live long enough, if you're like the victim, if you live long enough, you'll become the oppressor. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what people like this are doing. Like they're taking advantage of the fact that they're in control now they're in power and i know that a lot of people are going to be they're going to be what they're in power there's no genocide against trans people but yeah when when you have the opportunity to destroy people's lives on the internet by simply calling somebody transphobic i would say that you have a lot of power and that's this is that's exactly what is happening here by with people like this with people like blossom saying that you you can't speak to a black trans woman like don't don't speak over a black trans woman, some bullshit like that. Mm -hmm. It is tokenism, and that's simply what it is. It is tokenism, and it is kind of just I I say this all the time, and you know people think it's crazy when I say it, but I will say this to the end of time that I general genuinely think that intersectionality is the death of all intelligent conversation. Intersectionality is just simply the way for us to, and like immediately, if there is, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and the argument turns towards, oh, but I am, I'm saying this because I am black and I am gay and I am a woman. And it's like, okay, and what about it? Can you explain to me what instances of intense bullying, racism, homophobia, transphobia that you faced? Oh, I mean, I went to a really nice private school. I didn't really experience too much, but like my parents were really nice to me. I had, my parents are still together. I didn't really experience much, but it's like, you can't tell a black trans woman that this and this. It's like, no, but it's like, it sounds like you had a pretty decent life. On the contrary, Sally May, who went to the public school across from you, lived in a shack with her family. She happens to be white, but she lived in a shack with her family and they had to eat canned beans every night, heated under a, under a fucking fire, like under a flame in order to survive. Sounds like you lived pretty privileged, mm -hmm. but I have to, and she has to shut her fucking mouth because you're black, a woman, and transgender. Mm -hmm. Let's try again. So again, if you live long enough, you will become the oppressor. So 60 years ago, we were talking about the civil rights movement, since we're you know speaking hypothetically about this you know black uh, female trans woman that I just decided to speak of, hypothetically speaking. Um, 40, 50 years ago, we were talking about the civil rights movement when people were actually dealing with real civil rights violations and issues. And now we're talking mm -hmm. about the fact that somebody has lived long enough to tell Sally Mae that she needs to shut her mouth because she's just a little white girl. That's fucked up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this victimhood, it, it's a disease. It's like once you latch onto that, it becomes your whole existence. And then, you know, we are the world is how we see it is, you know, our reality is somewhat a depiction of our inner self. And if you believe that you are so oppressed in a Western liberal society, then you're going to find lots of opportunities in which that manifests that aren't actually there. Um, yep. And d did you see the vice feminist debate? It was on quite a while ago. It was, it was, I don't, um, I'm not sure that I did. I'm yeah, not sure that I did. Earl Davies and Sydney Watson were on it from kind of an anti-feminist point of view, but you just oh, reminded yeah. me of it there mm -hmm. because 
it was the most unproductive conversation because there wasn't one person who was able to talk about women's issues without saying, as a woman of color, as a disabled woman, well, my experience is not the same as yours because I also have a disability and I sort of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but we're talking about women's issues. Like, sorry, but I don't care. And with all okay. of this, I just don't think through winning equality and getting people to accept you, disparaging the other side is just never the way to go. And sure, one group may have oppressed another and that sucks, but you're not going to assimilate and come together if you then just start being racist towards white people or um, discriminatory towards heterosexual people. You know, I've experienced this, I told you before, in the queer community in London and the UK, how there's such an anti-heteronormative culture and the reality is that most people are heterosexual and it's not their fault, you know, they're actually quite happy. So rather than, you know, it comes from some sort of insecurity that people are different, you know, our differences should just be celebrated and we should mm -hmm. like the other people are heterosexual, you know, good for them. Yeah. And I think, I think that I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that just, you know, just six or seven years ago, the conversation was, let's do everything that we can to be like straight people and blend into society and have our rights and be just like everybody else. And now the conversation has become, let's highlight what makes us proud and let's highlight why we are so happy. And so it's like, guys, you know, the celebrations happened in 2012 here in the US when we got gay marriage, mm -hmm. like the celebrations were happening then. It's been almost it's been over 10 years. Why are we still using like, why are we still trying to hold and we talked about this in, in our conversation on my channel, like, why are we turning the event that was made to talk about our liberation and our history and turning it into a place where we can have naked children and then spend money and like turn it into colors and this and people can come and spend all this money and buy pride outfits and this and it's just kind of become like a really terrible version of Coachella like it's not <laughs> it's not it doesn't sound very interesting where we're not really sticking to our roots and and mm -hmm. doing what it was meant for which was a commemorative protest you know, I think that we don't and we don't see people redoing the civil rights march every year mm -hmm. in February, which is Black History Month in the U.S. Like we don't see people redoing the civil rights march every February as like a, a, a parade, a festival, like a march like we do on Sundays for the gay, the gay pride festival. Like, mm. you know, I, I feel like we we've taken it a little too far. We've taken it a little yeah. too far. Well, I would say if we're going to have all these flags, which we probably should not, then someone make the straight flag a bit more interesting. Because when you're <laughs> in the gender ideology schools and these are the options, no kid is going to be wanting to pick this. So bring a straight flag and bring a super straight flag and then we'll see how we go. So moving on, we're talking about trans women in prisons again. And this was the latest news from Scotland in the UK, where they say trans inmates with a history of violence against women to mostly, emphasis on that word, to be kept out of female Scottish jails. So even if they have a history of violence against women, 
they may not be housed in female prisons in Scotland, except in quote unquote exceptional circumstances. This was a long awaited Scottish prison service policy review, which was prompted by the public outcry after newly convicted transgender woman Isla Bryson, who committed two rapes while living as a man, Adam Graham, was initially sent to the women only prison in January for assessment. So even after that, they've come out with this advice that they will mostly be kept out of women's prisons. What are your thoughts on that? Um, first of all, I would want to know what the guidelines of mostly are. I would appreciate if maybe we can get some clarification on that. Um, what does mostly entail? Sounds interesting. Um, I would also say there needs to be immediately, and I mean immediate. At the end of the day, trans people regardless of what people's opinions are on trans people, non-binary people, gender non-conforming, whatever other fucking name they want to make up, regardless of what my opinion is on people like that, regardless of what your opinion is on people like that, we can document that they exist because we see them. Like, they they exist. So if we have a, a, a part of society that exists that is, there's a history, an issue with violence, in certain sectors, for example, people like this, we need to create a department where they can be housed. We need to create a division in jails where they can have their own cells, like their own separate blocks where we have like trans inmates and whatever. It needs to happen immediate for the safety of everybody. For And, and just to be honest, for the safety of absolutely everybody, for their safety and for the safety of everybody else in the facility. Because when mm-hmm. you clearly, when you, you mix testosterone previously testosterone filled men with women's with women in prison obviously there's a problem i mean we can talk whatever we want and we can have Mm -hmm. discussions about you know prison efficacy but at the end of the day they're fucking in jails like they're 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 fucking in jails they're having sex in jails people are getting uh, hiv in jails they're 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 getting stds in jails because they're having sex this is what happens when you put people in a jail cell for 10, 12, 15 years longer, and they can't have sex. So there is going to be sexually related crimes, rapes. And I could only imagine that that's going to get worse in a facility where a man has easy access to women. That's just common sense, Mm no? For sure. And I think, you know, if you're going to have the conversation of you're a trans woman who is in jail because of, you know, theft or drugs, you know, that's a little bit more, you know, a point of conversation because they may not necessarily be violent. Now, I still think that that's not appropriate and they should have, if it's this much of a problem, there should be a separate facility for sure. Or, you know, they should sadly have to go in with the men's. That's kind of the way it is. Um, But when we talk about prison, you know, the population in women's prison is totally different to men's. Typically, women who are in prison have been victims of assault, sexual violence, you know, manipulated through drug drug rings and prostitution, all of those t- types of things. It's a very different population than men. And when you have women in a prison who have suffered trauma from men, you know, it may be even if there is a trans woman who is no threat, it could be traumatic for them to be around that because they associate men with not being safe. And I sympathize with that. For the trans activists who are lobbying for this, especially for someone who's been violent towards women. I think it's insane. I mean, if you're violent towards women, then I don't care. 
into the men's prison, you know, you're not going near them. And the fact that Scotland doesn't have a backbone just to make that hardline decision is insane. And I also agree with you that when you have this mostly or in exceptional circumstances, that's subjective Mm -hmm. and that's open to trans activists getting their teeth into every one of these cases. An excellent book I recommend is Trans by Helen Joyce. And she talked about, so I'm from Ireland and in that country, they adopted self-ID just willingly and someone can change their sex just through signing a form and there's not even a, there's not even a fee to do so. And then before you know it, statistically, women do not commit sexual crimes. They just don't. And if they do, it's the most microscopic portion. But all of a sudden, 3% of women in jails in Ireland were there for sexual-related crimes which is just insane. And when you look into transgenderism and you realize that a lot of them are people with autogynephilia who have narcissistic disorders, then it becomes a lot, (laughs) a lot more complicated. So this whole thing, I I don't even understand how this is, this is an argument. It's more ridiculous than the sports thing. Yeah. I, and you know, I agree with you to certain uh, to a certain extent, first and foremost, just to hit the point that you kind of just touched on, um, just pretty much right now. Yes, you know, there is a lot of statistics proving that women are less likely to commit violent sexual crimes. That's for sure. In regards to violent sexual crimes, that is definitely um, more predominant in testosterone filled individuals, aka men. Um, But it's very interesting that, you know, most of the time, the when we find out that there is a, a teacher that has committed some sort of assault against a student, sexual assault against a student, or there is a case of statutory rape. It's usually a a female teacher. Isn't that interesting how we have tropes in society of like men, like male teachers being weird with female students. But a lot of the times, whenever we see these like cases of teacher messaging a 15 year old boy, usually it's a woman. Like it's, isn't that interesting? And there was a case that, and I mentioned that because there was a case just a few days ago where a teacher in the US was caught doing that. I think that's interesting. Um, But I will say, you know, I don't really think that I believe that what I would consider, I I like to use the term transsexuals, not transgenders. We can go into transgenders and transtrenders, which is what I consider them. Um, Real transsexuals to me are people who actually are doing the work to transition, people who have actually transitioned. I don't know. You can take people like Blair White as an example um, people who have done the work to present as the gender that they're saying that they're going to transition to again, transgender, transsexual, transition, you're transitioning somewhere. You're not just like putting on a wig. And I know I say that because a lot of people have the argument of like, oh, well, you're just talking about passing. Yes, you can say that. But realistically, I'm talking about people who are actually doing the work to look female or, or male. But the reason why I say that is because I don't know that I think that a transsexual, somebody like a Blair White, should be in a men's facility. That's why I outright just say that we should immediately, immediately invest in opening separate cells for these individuals. At the end of the day, like I said, we can talk about using it, you know, using our taxpayer dollars, whatever the case may be, but it's obvious that it is becoming an issue. It's becoming a, you know, a a security problem. It's becoming a, 
a safety issue for both sides, for the people that are victim to this this kind of rape and to people that are committing the, the problem, there's there's an issue and we have to put money into fixing the problem. And that is making separate cells. Because again, I don't know that a, somebody like a Blair White should be in a men's prison. I feel like that is dangerous. I feel like that is extremely dangerous. And if me personally, as a person, I am saying that I respect transsexuals. I have my opinion against transgenders and again, trans trenders. But I don't think somebody like a Blair White should be in a men's facility. I think that is dangerous. That is extremely, extremely dangerous. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I think like I'm all for trans people being protected. I guess my comment was just on if you violently raped people, then I don't. I mean, I I don't really care about seeing you as a trans person anymore. You know, I don't think that you're someone who mm -hmm. respects women. And even in the case of transsexual people, you know, statistically, when you look into it, there are actually more people with autogynephilia who are transsexual than the homosexual type, like Blair. And I think. Even if they're not going to do anything, I think it's inappropriate for them to be around women right. in prison because it's such an intimate mm -hmm. setting. But I agree. I think a separate wing is needed. I think th the main point of consideration there is, well, if there's only one trans woman in the prison, then does that mean she's just in like solitary confinement the entire no. time? <laughs> but I know in the case I read in our, one of the cases in Ireland was this trans person had to be accompanied by, you know, the the prison guards every time they were around anyone else i still am not comfortable with that but you know it's it's an unfortunate situation and obviously it happens once in a blue moon but people in prison deserve protection they don't deserve to be forgotten about yeah. so yeah staying on the trans topic did you want to say something well else i was just gonna say yes i don't I, I i'm i'm not at all arguing for the fact that they should be anywhere near women's facility but i do think that they should have their own um their own block and to your point of like oh well then what are we going to do are we going to have like what if there's just one trans person in the whole entire prison to that i say all the time at least here in the u.s it doesn't matter who you are what you are if you committed a crime you are going to be put in whatever prison they want you to be in so they might move you to a different state. They might move you to a different part of the state. They might move you to the prison that's all the way across the country. There's They can put you wherever the fuck they want. So I would, I, my argument for that would be, you know, I would think that they, they would be able to send them to a specific prison where they have these, these facilities and send them to a special facility. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's just what I would add to that. Yeah, I think it's a great point, something I didn't think on. And obviously, America is a very big mm -hmm. co country. So, you know, if there was one or two prisons, then that would make up a, you know, a good population. And I know in the UK, there's, there's around 120 trans women in prison at the moment. So, you know, that could definitely make up its own, its own wing mm -hmm. for sure. So it's like we have the answer, everyone. It's like it just takes a little bit of conversation without calling somebody a transphobe. Who knows when we'll get there. <laughs> But staying on the topic, something else that is a very easy solution and a no-brainer in the eyes of most people is transports and there being more biological men who have taken hard-earned medals and prizes away from women. So transgender cyclists once again take gold and silver at a major female competition. 
Tessa Johnson, 25, took first place in the women's single speed category at the Illinois State Cyclocross Championships on Sunday, while Evelyn Williamson, 30, placed second. And these two, who previously sparked outrage when they took the same positions in the Chicago Cup, were pictured on the podium with Kristen Chalmers, the sole biological female to have a medal. What are your thoughts on this picture? I mean, again, you know, we if we're talking about separate cell blocks, separate wings, separate divisions, we need to have a separate competition. That's this isn't this isn't up for debate. It's really not. It's not up for debate, you know. When you are an adult who has grown up as an adult or you've grown up to at least the age of puberty and have been within, you know, you've, you've gone through at least a few years of puberty, it's not fair at that point anymore for you to be competing against, you know, people of the opposites. You know, I, it's, it's, it's like you're, it's basically like putting men and women competing against each other. And that's not, that's not, that's it. That's not really something that we would see in a biological sense. Like in the Olympics, they don't have like a, they don't have games anywhere, any of them, any of the competitions where it's men against women. Rightfully so, because there's a little bit of a, a difference there. I don't, I don't like this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't like this at all. Yeah, and as long as some people keep bowing down to the trans women are women full stop, then there's always going to be an argument for this, you know? And for audio listeners, this is a photo on a podium and the two trans identifying biological males. I mean, you can just see it with your eyes. They are far larger, far taller. One of them just looks like a complete guy, you know, short hair, nothing feminine even about him. And then you have this girl on the left kind of smiling and waving for the camera, but God knows how she's actually feeling. And if she is brainwashed into thinking, oh, well, no, I'm fine with this. That's another issue. But we see it again. And for some reason, it's like cycling is taking a lot of the hits at the moment because a lot of other sports have thankfully banned this. But we have a male racer, Kylie, who also won the women's single speed title at the same championship. So we have lots of biological men taking the prize Hmm. from women. And you can see here, so Kylie is the first one on the list. So the first place transgender woman is 18 seconds faster than second place. Whereas between second and third place, they only have one second, 1.09 seconds. Wow. So, I mean, I guess from the looks of it, yes, there's a difference, but it's not that big. But I mean, at the end of the day, if the the male wouldn't have been in the competition, it very obviously seems like there would have been a female victor, apparently. Yeah, and I mean, 18 seconds, sorry, yeah, 18 seconds might not seem like a lot, but in the world of sports, that is a huge amount. You know, people people train for years just to have shave a second, two seconds off their time when they're at that elite level. It is those tiny marginal differences that's going to be the difference of you winning the race. But 18 seconds when they're at the top of their league, it doesn't make any sense. We're going to go to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. People know her as AOC. She's an American politician and activist, a Democrat. And she serves in the U.S. representative for New York's 14th Congressional District since 2014. 
sorry, 2019. And at a House overnight subcommittee meeting, she had a lot to say about trans girls in high school sports. We're here today because there's a proposal here and there are several proposals here uh, to further marginalize trans women in sports. And I think about this all the time because trans people in the United States doesn't even exceed 1% of our population. And yet there is so many resources and energy and time dedicated to figuring out how we can more finely exclude them um, from our sports when there virtually is no major issue that is um, that is precipitating. And Ms. Goss Graves, can you tell us a little bit about what sex testing looks like for youth in states with trans athletic bands? It's terrible. Uh, in some states, any individual could challenge whether someone is a girl enough to play. In some states, it requires actual a genital verification, which is shocking. Right. Um. You know, no, like absolutely not. <laughs> like absolutely not. There, there is very obviously a disadvantage present, and it's it's just like I I don't like her to begin with. Like I I personally, obviously, I live in America, and most of the time, we don't know all politicians. Obviously, if like we, I don't know the the mayor or the governor of Indiana mm -hmm. or whatever, or Idaho or Ohio. But she makes herself very, 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 very known. So I know a lot mm -hmm. about her and I hate her. <laughs> I don't like her. I don't like her at all. I don't think there's anything likable, remarkable, interesting, introspective, inspiring about her. There's nothing to her besides a talking, uh, you know, a, a puppet. Like that's, that's all she does. That's all she does. And it's, 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 you can tell because it's all like regurgitated talking points. Like she very clearly took the Bernie Sanders guidebook, read thoroughly, and then was like, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and then I'll do that. And then this is my personality. And that's exactly what happened. To say that there's no real um, effect, or I think that's what she said, there's no real effect or disadvantage or problem that it's causing is so demented because these are men competing in women's sports. What? Like, yeah. And these people, I, I mean, I, they impress me sometimes how they can kind of confuse their audience and put them into these corners because, you know, it, it's clever how they position their arguments as, you know, she says trans people are such a tiny percentage. So why are we focusing on this that much? You know, it's basically a non-issue. But the point is, even if they're a tiny percentage, then it only takes one of them to beat out all the other women. So it's an entire mm -hmm. female issue. It's all women. And we, you know, have separated the sexes in sports for as long as time. Well, not as long as time, but it did, it did happen because people were like, oh, wait, men tend to do so much better. And then you have, you know, the, the other end of it with trans activists saying, oh, there's actually scientifically no difference, which is, it's, it's just, Irref it's it's refutable Bullshit. like point blank but then people are people are worried about offending them being called transphobic and you see it with veronica ivy saying the same just ludicrous statements now on this point of the genital examination so i obviously don't agree with that but it's again it's another kind of political football for them because 
while this has been mentioned, there's no evidence that this has ever happened. And these states that have put it in place have basically said that as long as we can see your birth certificate, if there's a question over it, that should be all that's needed. And I can't see how it would really go a step beyond that. But of course, they're sort of just bringing this up because it might have been mentioned by one politician once. And fact check me if I'm wrong on that and not saying I'm right. But they're kind of introducing that to now, like she goes on later to say in the recording, this is actually misogyny against all women because you're going to be opening them up to like sexual violence by having genital examinations. And it's just like, okay, that does not need to happen for us to keep keep men out of women's sports. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be as simple as just asking for a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And when you say, like, yeah, like sorry. A birth certificate. No, I mean, there's. I wasn't going to add much else to that, but just a birth certificate. We put it simply in your birth certificate, whether you're male or female. Yeah. So just bring us birth certificate. We don't have to check your balls. Like, <laughs> for sure. And it 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 is mind boggling to me when you see women advocating for this. You know, I guess. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is, and for multiple reasons too. Because you know, at least here in America. I, and I and I mentioned it obviously just because I I it's it's where I grew up, but also just because of the simple fact that like our our feminist history is so recent. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the changes, a lot of the most recent changes of like women being able to use credit cards and being women being able to get a mortgage under their own name, that kind of stuff started recently in the seventies and and stuff. And that's that's not yeah. even that long ago. Yeah, I mean give or take 45, 50 years, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that much time. So at least here in America, not too long ago, we were talking about the fact that we need women, you know, we want women's rights and we want this and we want that. And now we're talking about giving women's rights to men. Yeah. So we've come full circle. We've come full circle. We've come from nothing. And then now we're just going right back to giving Mm. it back to the men. And I, that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, TERFs get so much flack and people talk so much shit about TERFs mm-hmm. because that is how they how they think. It is how they think that you're just literally giving rights back mm-hmm. to men, which I, you know, I am not a hate all men person. Obviously, I'm a man. I do believe in women's rights in many different aspects, you know, depending on the conversation that we're having. I'm not a believe all women kind of person. I'm a read through the facts depending on what's going on kind of person. But I do think for the most part that if we're talking about women's rights, we should be keeping that exclusively female. Mm-hmm. I did a video last, well, it came out yesterday on woke TikToks. I watched it. And yeah, I saw. <laughs> and one of the one of the TikToks was somebody talking about the fact that they're female but they don't identify that they're pregnant, but they don't identify with pregnancy being female, which is absurd. Yeah. And, you know, you can go into the whole debate of, well, socially trans women are like women. And, you know, I pretty much agree with that, but female is a biological term and only females can get pregnant. It's just the mental gymnastics required to even contemplate this stuff. Most people are just see it and say, okay, I just don't want to have, the, I don't even want to think about that because it's so insane. Just let them have their thing. But then meanwhile, they're getting their teeth into all of these, you know, institutions, sports, prisons. And then it's such, it's such a big issue. But I think you raised such interesting points in that, you know, for, for our age, you know, I grew up in a time when women were more or less equal. Um, 
but it mm-hmm. is it's the same thing for being gay it's like not recent history that we could be killed because of that or put in prison um and people just seem to forget these things so quickly so it's like feminism had its day in the sun and you know very recently it was men are superior to women and then for a brief amount of time it was men and women are equal and now it's men are women <laughs> so it's like the patriarchy mm-hmm. persists but it's not where you think it is guys it's not in just oh every man is toxic it's it's in this like th- this is very much a wave of it and i do have i have so much sympathy for anyone who's trans i think people should be allowed to transition um if it's right for them but i draw the line at disrespecting women you know if you want if you want to accept right. you as that sex like largely with a few caveats then you need to respect the thing you want to become and that's it yeah i agree i would say um you know one of the one of the most important things about you know considering yourself to be a a woman and and saying that you're you're a female and that you want to transition is again a, you know taking the qualities of being a woman of being mm-hmm. female and you're not really able to do that if you're still you know finding yourself using this voice <laughs> when people disrespect you if you're still finding yourself using this voice then we have a problem you know <laughs> if you're still finding yourself saying it's ma'am you know clearly you're you're still comfortable living in a male space and you take advantage of it whenever you have the opportunity um and i'm obviously i'm not like saying that you can't make jokes like i'm not saying that you can't make jokes about yourself and like you can't be a trans person and you know take on a a really deep male voice as a joke um i've seen tiktoks like that of even just gay people doing stuff like that like mm-hmm. i just did so i'm not talking about jokes or anything like that i'm not an asshole or a prude well i am an asshole i can't be sometimes <laughs> but you know i'm not talking about the fact that. that i'm not like I, I can laugh right i can laugh i can laugh um and so to that i say like if you're still if if you're still finding ways to express your male Mm -hmm. dominance you know being rude to women being disrespectful whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be i think you got to do some some introspection kind of you have to look inside and figure out what's going on in there yeah (laughs) just on a side note when you started speaking like that i i literally thought a video on your laptop started playing out of nowhere i couldn't believe that was actually you (laughs) you were like uh fee five oh fum um (laughs) yeah i'm a theater kid so, so i can, am i, I can do so a lot am of I. we should talk about that there you go. um we have a little bit that's true that's <laughs> true so moving on to lighter tones but keeping the theme you are probably aware that the latest um you know scourge on the trans activist community and pink news was lady ballers mm. the um the kind of mockery of trans women in sports movie came out from the Daily Wire and it's it features a group of men who decide to compete in women's basketball and this sparked outrage among leftists and LGBTQ activists but fans say that it's an answer to Hollywood's woke garbage. So this actually earned a stunning 97% review score on Rotten Tomatoes ranking up over a thousand wow. reviews in less than 24 hours. So let's have a look at the trailer. In a world where women's sports is being transformed, <laughs> The Daily Wire 
calls foul with the most triggering comedy of the year. I know you're not a woman. Hey, you don't know how he identifies. If you can beat them. What do you know about the U.S. Opens for the Global Games? You want us to compete as women. $5,000 prizes. My lover says you were a great coach back in the day. Join them. This is the way the world is now. My eight-year-old daughter told me all about it. So a guy can become a girl with no physical changes at all. Oh, that's called gender fluid. Day one of being a girl athlete. <laughs> Lady Ballers. <laughs> Have you seen it? Have you seen that it? That was awesome. I I haven't seen this trailer. I feel like this is a different one from the one that I saw. The one that I saw was it was a longer and it was funny, but it wasn't as funny and quirky I just as I just flipped one. it up. Um, I, I, oh, okay. This is awesome. This is so funny. Yeah, this one was awesome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This one was freaking awesome. Um, no, I mean I think it's a really funny idea. It's. It's very like um, it reminds me of the spoof movies that they used to make in the early two thousands, and I I loved it. I I thought it was so 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 spot on, so cool. The only thing is that I wish that um, I understand why they choose to. Um, I understand why they choose to basically select from their like repertoire of people that already work at the Daily Wire to like act mm-hmm. in it, but a lot of them like. I believe his name is Michael Walsh. Like, not very good. Like, Mike. Yeah, I think that's Mark that's his name, right? The guy, Mark yeah. Walsh. That guy. Yeah, he's not like the best in terms of acting. So I wish that they would have maybe like hired better actors. Well, but it looks good. It looks good. I mean, I'd be surprised in Hollywood how many people would be willing to be in this because as soon as you're in this movie, there's no way they're going to be hired by any any kind of major you know movie oh, or tv show so sure. it does it, it is curious to me because you know obviously matt walsh sorry it's matt walsh i feel like we're, we're, we're both getting confused on his name now even though we were watching him earlier yeah i feel like we are i don't know his no, name. no it is matt walsh. <laughs> i don't know matt his walsh. name um but okay. it's curious as they are all actors but then it's kind of like what else is there f- is for them after this you know how many kind of right-wing movies are there so it doesn't surprise me how they have to choose from quite a small pool. But I did watch this, in fact, and I had to give The Daily Wire a month of, of prescription uh, subscription money to watch it. But, you know, I couldn't resist, really. I had to see what it was about. And, you know, overall, was it yeah, good? Like overall, I enjoyed it. I mean, it reminds me of Dodgeball, okay. and it is nothing compared to that, because that is honestly mm. one of my favorite movies. Um, and... I think, I guess, whether, you know, the acting is great or, like, the jokes are as funny as they should be, um, you know, I, I did enjoy yeah. in the first kind of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they, they just make a joke of all woke things, like everything. There's kind of people wearing three coronavirus masks. Um, you know, they're talking about his, his child is in school and she has, like, trans uh, classmates, uh, stuff about the environment. Like, there's, there, there's a lot. And I did, I thought that was funny. And actually, I kind of thought Matt Walsh was quite funny as well. He plays this like hippie character who's really into meditation. Um, and I, th- I just think what it does well is that it just it seems so ridiculous what they're doing, but it's actually what's happening. And, you know, they do kind of like dramatize it, take it over the top to the point where the men, you know, they don't even bother looking like women anymore because all they have to do is identify as a woman in order to play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think obviously you could critique it from a kind of um, artistic lens, but 
I'm kind of glad that it was made to shed light on the ridiculousness of all of this. And the activists are certainly mad. But an interesting thing is that while there are now 5,000 reviews in Rotten Tomatoes and it went to number one in just one day, there are only four reviews from critics. So that goes to show that even even though it's making headlines and so many people are watching this, that critics won't even comment on it. They don't want their name attached to it at all. And, you know, it's still a huge issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't see why they would. I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't really see why they would attach their names to it. Like, we kind of, like, I feel like we've established multiple times, like, not us specifically, but, like, as a culture, I feel like we've established multiple times Mm -hmm. that we are not receptive to and by obviously we i don't mean again us specifically i mean the culture right now is not receptive to making fun of these kinds of things and i don't know how you could speak on this movie without touching on the main topic of the movie which is making fun of these kinds of people so it's like i'm not surprised that there's no reviews from multiple different publications because they didn't, they're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole yeah it's like why would they like why would they they're gonna risk like um i don't know if you remember i mean i i don't know if you're really into video games but last year no this yeah it was this year just very early on this year god it's this year has been so long early on in february they came out with hogwarts legacy mm-hmm. it's yeah, a video yeah. game mm-hmm. right they came out with hogwarts legacy and it's like, like a video game based off of just like harry potter and like just the harry potter series and they immediately tried to shut down the game and they created a boycott on Twitter. And because of the fact that JK Rowling has made comments on trans people, even though JK Rowling had zero association to the game at all, like all they did was basically purchase the licensing and it was made by port key games, which is like a, it's like part of the, the conglomerate that does, um, I guess you can say like the conglomerate that does all of the the merchandise and all that stuff for Harry Potter, but it had nothing to do with her. And they tried to boycott the game just because it was the property that she created. So again, they're not going to touch any of these things with a 10 foot pull. And because of the fact that she had made those comments when the game came out, many publications, game review publications said that they weren't even going to review it because of what she said. And so they didn't review it. There was many big, big, big publications that just said, we're not going to review this one. Yeah. Ridiculous. But the funny thing about it is it's always the silent majority. So I think all we need as a society is for companies and the kind of people that make those decisions to take a stand. And I think most of us actually don't believe in deplatforming people. And you can see it with JK Rowling in spite of everything and the, the activists going insane the video game still had massive sales. Her crime novels, of which one came out a couple of months ago, are still flying off the shelves. So it doesn't add up. You know, these things, you can kind of deplatform someone and then no one really wants to mention their name. But actually, they don't lose as much support as people think. And that's why the online sphere is, you know, it's not, it's not an accurate representation of society. It's just the loudest voices. And when you look at the comments on this trailer, everyone is saying, thank God this is being addressed. And I guess if, if you just had more 
you know, leading voices saying, no, I'm going to have my opinion and I don't care if you try and cancel me because I won't be canceled. If people stopped apologizing all the time for, for saying something and then taking a step back, I feel like we could make so much progress here. And, you know, I didn't really see this movie as them making fun of individual people. It was more making fun of the concept of men in sports. And I think, I think it does just that. But anyway, on to something yeah. more fun. And it is time to react to woke TikToks. So I hope you're ready, Daniel, for these. LGBT TikToker has just come out to her family and gets emotional. My name is Diddy. <laughs> and I'm non-binary. <laughs> My pronouns are she, they. And I'm queer. And this is me officially coming out. Oh my god. This feels really good. Hi. My name is Diddy. I am non-binary. My pronouns are she they. Uh. <laughs> wow wow there's a lot to unpack there big level of delusion yeah i mean again mental health is a big problem around the world right now we are having a big epidemic in the country uh in all countries let me rephrase that in the west is better said um this is insane and absolutely unhinged like genuinely i like you could just swap out, remove the caption, and then just put this on, on you know, on a, a porn website. And then, like, remove the, just, like, remove it, make it a black screen, and just liter literally leave this for somebody to see as, like, ASMR porn. And that's exactly what this could be. I literally thought that there was some sort of, like, something else to this besides just the pronouns and the excitement. That's, yeah. wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Insane. It is. It's just... What's funny is that, so for the audio listeners, it does say, th there's kind of a caption that says, update, my pronouns are now they, them, still queer, still pan, still poly. So, you know, coming out as pansexual, I could, I could kind of get on board with that more in terms of, you know, celebrating it, maybe it being an emotional process. But the whole thing of coming out as something that doesn't even exist, of being non-binary and being this emotional, it, it, it is... It flabbergasts me. On one hand, I'm kind of, I'm happy that she's happy and that she's obviously having such a euphoric moment, but there's, there's clearly something else underlying here, you know? Um, and yeah, I just, it, it's kind of like no words. It, it goes back to like how, you know, people of my generation and, and older, a lot of, and I, I had a good experience coming out, but so many of them had such grueling experiences coming out. And now you have this just making a complete mockery of them coming out as something that is not a real thing and acting like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like she won a prize. It's like the the way that this person is speaking, it's almost like she won yeah, a prize. It sounds like she just found out that um, some terminal diagnosis is like gone and she's gonna live. Mm -hmm. She just found out that she no longer has cancer. That's this is exactly what what happened. Is that there's so many like you can just remove the caption and there's there could be so many 
like so many reasons for this video that yeah. are not this psychotic reason to be so excited. But. And the thing about most okay. of these is that if you told someone this is a parody, then it would they all make so much more sense. But unfortunately, they're not. Mm -hmm. Next up, woman thinks right. eating meat is racist and misogynistic. Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat eating. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat. And eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weapon, weaponized it, eating meat, eggs, and dairy. And the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the neo-Nazi <laughs> messaging. Wow. Um, I mean, I have an interesting take on this one because I'm a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I don't eat meat to begin with. Um. And there's so many reasons why I became a vegetarian, and one of them was not because it upholds white supremacy. <laughs> it, like, it goes against white supremacy. Not one of the reasons why I did it. I did it because, right, like I did it because it was better for my body immediately when I did it. I lost 30, 40 pounds. I had like a lot of extra weight that I struggled mm -hmm. with for a really long mm -hmm. time, and I'm still trying to keep off. It's just kind of part of my genetics. But immediately when I stopped eating meat, I lost a lot of weight, and my body kind of like, went back to what i used to be when i was a little bit like more mm -hmm. of a kid more of a teenager and so again i i did it because of health reasons and i also did it because i love animals i have a i don't know if you could see it i have a cow mm. tattoo on me because i love i love cows a lot like they're one of my favorite animals i like sharks mm -hmm. and i like cows mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to eat them but to tell people that one of the reasons why you're you you know we should go vegetarian and stop eating meat is because you know you're racist if you eat meat is again i say this to all, all people is part of the reason why people hate vegetarians and vegans because they think that all we talk about is that and that we are like this like this is ridiculous. This is why people don't like us because they um, think that we're like this. I, I would be surprised if anyone thinks you're like this. I've never seen something like this before. But I don't think when I see something like this, it's not even possible to debunk what she's saying because she has so many isms and different mm -hmm. oppressive words thrown in there that she immediately loses you. You know, she has neo-Nazism in there, white supremacy, misogyny. None of it, none of it makes sense, incoherent. And the fact that this woman sat in a room somewhere and actually wrote this, typed it out with her own two fingers... And then I don't even know what this is. Like, where is she? Where she's at some podium, you know, just reciting this. Like, what is? I want to know the context behind this. Like, what? What is she fighting for? And something she said at the beginning was, "How do you know the animal would want you to be eating off its bones and not someone else? Like, how do you know they'd want a white person?" Like, 
And like, sorry to break it to you, babe, but animals would rather no one be eating them. You know, that, that's the harsh reality. You're not going to say to them, well, we're going to slaughter you. Would you prefer a white person or a black person to eat you? I don't think they're really going to care. <laughs> I think they're just going to try and stop you from slaughtering them. Right, exactly. And it's, it doesn't, cause, you know, it doesn't really, it's, it's like, again, it's ridiculous and ludicrous to bring, to bring this into like a, a, a race based conversation, because it's really not like, it's not a race based conversation. It's as simple as like, you know, are you one of those people that, you know, believes in animal rights? And do you like animals and whatever? Not like, do you uphold racism? And how do you feel on racist tropes mm -hmm. and whatever it's like yeah and it's it's the same when did we start well everything's things? about race daniel surely you should know that by now and yeah, it's the same with the fat apparently with the fat activist movement the fat positivity movement they always say that fat phobia is because of whiteness and whiteness sets, sets the standard mm -hmm. which is totally ridiculous and what sets the standard is being healthy and to be healthy, you have to not be obese. It doesn't matter if you're white or black. <laughs> so next up, woke mother is triggered by a straight white family in a children's book. Happy Friday, but can I ask you a serious question? How is it 2023 and this, I'll show you in a minute, is what we are saying the majority of families look like? This, this is the majority families don't get me wrong there are families like that and those families have plenty of things dedicated to them movies and books and holidays and all the things why like if we're really getting serious about what people think teachers are doing in the classroom why is that why is that on a book why is that a picture representing families I'm just asking I I mean first off she doesn't look like any lesbian so she is a straight white woman <laughs> it's representing yeah, her <laughs> I mean I don't really understand what this fascination is with honing in on people's uh color again like I don't really know what it is about like going for people's race as like a way to explain anything or have a point on anything like i don't know why we're, we're going backwards on that like why you know we've deemed it accessible and okay for one certain race to be getting the brunt of whatever this is i don't i don't know i don't i don't understand mm -hmm. it i think it's it's like another example of the fact that our culture has a big problem with mental illness because this woman has literally and look notice the Notice the thing on her neck, the rainbow collar. This woman has been indoctrinated to hate herself. Yeah. And it's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. It's sad. It's a good point. And it's not only that they're white, it's that they're straight. So, and she's saying, why is mm -hmm. this in schools? So what do you expect? That every book that kids read has two dads or two moms or a trans dad? Like, yeah, it's, we're just supposed to have like, 
instead of having like clip art or pictures and like little binder clips that they use for children, like they're just going to have to have like leaflets where they can like flip it to see like all Mm -hmm. separate kinds of variations so that they can feel good about themselves after seeing the 75th variation of family with a Asian Indian white child and I don't know what, whatever other variation you can, you can put into it. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know about putting the white child in there, like you said. I mean, maybe if they're on puberty blockers, then it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> yes. But I, mean, I, I also think it's natural, though, for all of us to kind of gravitate towards things we know. So if you're raised by a white family and you're white, then if you identify more with white people in a book, then that's fine. Because that's like humans are like that. We're kind of tribalistic. Um, and I, I remember this is just as a kind of tangent, but... The, ba- the band Little Mix, who are you know lo- no longer together. There's a mixed race girl, Leanne, in that, and she was kind of she did a documentary about you know race, and she was saying that there were three kind of white young white girls who were talking to the other three girls, saying, "Oh, you know, I look up to you, and like you are my favorite," and that, and she she kind of saw it as like a racist thing, but I just think that they just didn't identify with her as much because you know she didn't she didn't look like them, and I think that's that's fine, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on that kind of stuff. I feel like I feel like you can you can identify with and that's kind of what I was saying previously about little girls. Like little girls don't really care about identifying with anything like that. They don't really care. Like yes, it's nice and it's important for children to have representation in some form in their life. Um that's the family's job usually to mm-hmm. keep them in, you know, in touch with their culture, but for the most part like you know I like Beyonce and I really appreciate her music and I really appreciate like the the southernness about her music and the fact that she incorporates southern culture into her music a lot like at the end of the day I was born in Cuba but I was I'm from Florida I was raised in the south like so I I thankfully I I was raised in Miami so I got a big brunt of like you know the southern like hillbilly redneck culture like the, what, what you would call it and you know a big hispanic flair because of the fact that i do live in miami and it's a big melting pot but at the end of the day like i'm from florida i'm from like a southern state so i like that music and i like the styling of the instrumentals and the way that she incorporates southern music into like a southern style into her music but i i like her music and i identify with her music because you know, there's certain things of it that I can relate to the southernness, the you know, lemonade, one of my favorite albums, right? That too, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like Lemonade because it has like the southern twang and Texas and Louisiana, and I love that vibe. It's southern and I like it. I don't have to be black to enjoy it, I don't have to come from like a predominantly black labor, uh, neighborhood in Louisiana where I don't know, maybe she could have filmed a music video or whatever the case may be, but. I identify with her music without her without really seeing the color aspect of it so mm. i feel like you can identify with anybody if you really wanted to but i feel like in a culture that you know has made it to where you have to hone in a lot on your gender sexuality race and you have to always talk about it maybe for a lot of people it becomes annoying yeah. you know mm-hmm well, nice little speech about Beyonce there. I don't know. I think maybe you're into her so much it's cultural appropriation. <laughs> but we're on to our last 
woke TikTok. And this trans identifying person has a lot to say about biological sex. There's no such thing as biological men. That's not a real thing. That is a transphobic dog whistle. What it's doing is it's trying to justify transphobia using science when, first of all, man is a term associated with gender and not with sex. But even if we were talking about males, sex is also a spectrum. Short and sweet. Yeah, you know, again, we were kind of just touching on this just a moment ago in a separate manner, but I don't believe that gender is on a spectrum. And I also don't believe that sexuality is on much of a spectrum diverting from what the sexualities that I just discussed. Like, I don't think that that there's a spectrum relating to that. I think that it's, Mm -hmm. it's just not like, I don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I don't see it because, you know, when, again, when, when you have children and you're pregnant, you can simply ask for a blood test at a few weeks old, like a few weeks pregnant, and, and find out what the gender of your baby is. So the, se- the sex we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever, gender, sex. Again, that's another thing that I don't really see much differentiation from, but yeah. I guess. Um, yes, we're talking about biological sex. Um, it's male and female. That's about it. Again, I don't see any differentiation between that. And I'm not one of those people that believes in, I just don't believe in the whole, like they, them in between. I just don't. And that's not something that I'm, I don't think I'll really ever understand. Doesn't mean I'm going to discriminate against people who happen to be, you know, non-binary, but I just don't see it. I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I think it's like ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like that's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, like it's a belief system. And I believe the belief system exists. And if someone believes it about themselves, and it gives them happiness and joy, and they don't enforce it upon others, go for it. I think that's great. I mean, I I question why it gives you that much joy, just having another pronoun. But I think, you know, the whole biological sex isn't real, biological sex is spectrum. That is just the most damaging part of this whole movement because we go from trans women are women we go from there are a million genders and genders socially constructed and then once you start accepting all those things and someone coming neither genders then you have to get on board with this biological sex is a spectrum and any scientist any credible scientist can refute that and say sex is binary but again it's crept into institutions and when you study gender studies you have like Anne Foster Sterling talking about how there's five different sexes and, you know, they they make comparisons like because in clownfish, they have the ability to change their sex from male to female if the female of the school of fish dies. And they point to that and say, because that exists, biological sex isn't real, but humans are sexually dimorphic and that, you know, it's, it's, you can't refute it. And it's just ridiculous how many people actually believe something it's just like a flat earther and that is why that's why when, when you start believing a little white lie out of politeness and to be cur- courteous it opens its doors to all sorts of lies and that's the issue i mean i have no problem calling a trans woman she because sometimes a word can mean multiple things right you know Uh, We have words in the English language that are spelled the same, that actually mean different things. So I think as long as we know that she can sort of apply to a woman or a trans woman, I'm fine with that. But beyond that, beyond she, we need to actually talk about the distinction. And it's the same with all of this, you know, it just gets crazier and crazier. (laughs) Sex is real. Yeah, I mean, it's not just real. It's it's like undeniable um, Mm -hmm. for many different, like, 
like it's observable in so many different ways. It's observable biologically. It's observable visually. It's observable statistically. Like there's so many different ways that we can talk about the fact that there is very clear binary system in in gender and in and just the just the, the you know men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Like it's just the way that it is. Like there's always been male and female, and that's kind of just like how it's been since the dawn of time. And it's interesting that we are choosing to redefine this realistically in the last 25 years, 30 years. I, I think even that is quite generous for the time frame. Before this, no one really had issues questioning that. It's like we we just wanted each other to be equal. And now we're like, we just don't want to exist at all. We're just going to be like, like the one thing that like, I feel like nobody talks about is the fact that like, Eventually, when we have like AI taking over, there's going to be more of a reason to like just become androids and not have a gender at all. Like there's going to be people that are going to be actually (laughs) choosing to be cyborgs without any gender and they're going to make the switch to be nothing and, you know, literally have flat Barbie body parts like Dylan Mulvaney said, his Barbie parts. So, you know, boy pocket, his boy pocket is the way that he said it. So... You know, like I, I think that eventually it's it's going to be scary when we start turning into robots. People are again going to turn into cyborgs. So I don't know. I really hope that we're able to get our shit together before AR AI starts taking over. Yeah, because you know, if we can't get men and women real, I mean, straight, then God help us all. And it's funny how we've advanced so much as a society to have all this technology at our fingertips, but then now we somehow forget what male and female are. And mm-hmm. it's all, you know, queer theory is the devil because it's turned being having a sexuality or having gender dysphoria into this whole philosophy that there's no such, there's no real truth when it comes to sex. And everyone's trans in some regard. And the whole world is just this one trans cesspool. So... What an ominous note to finish on. But I just want to say, Daniel, thank you so much for being on this podcast, my first guest. It's been super fun. Um, I've really enjoyed discussing all these topics with you, reacting to those woke TikToks as well. Thank you for giving me so much of your time and for having me on your channel as well. Hopefully this will not be the last time. It will definitely not be the last time. And thank you for having me. This was fun. I'm happy that I was able to be the inaugural guest. I was the the one to start off the party. So I'm glad that I was able to come on. Thank you for having me. It was fun, especially towards the end. I feel like, you know, it was fun to watch your reactions in live, live in real time. (laughs) Ditto. For sure. And, you know, I, I only saw, I only watched like the first few seconds of these because I didn't want to have seen them all, but enjoyed them a lot. Enjoyed them a lot. So thanks so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. Hopefully this will be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I still need to work out how to do that, but it will be there also on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to my channel and Daniel's channel and tune in for the next episode. I'll be uh, having Brianna Ivy on, who I know, Daniel, you're meeting with first. <laughs> so interesting to see how that goes but yes thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time thank you guys Bye.